Namaste, it's Sahara Rose, and welcome back to the Highest Self Podcast, a place to discuss what makes you your soul's highest involvement. I am so excited for today's episode because we dive into one of my favorite topics, all about money. So for me, money has truly been a love story of ups and downs and times that I did not want her and times that I did. And I think all of us have had such a roller coaster of a relationship with money in different ways, whether we were raised with it or not. It is just such a polarizing yet important topic that cannot be overlooked because money is that thing that pays for our living expenses, for our food, for our the device that you're listening to this podcast with. And it's a really big topic to just ignore. And I know a lot of people when they, you know, get into spirituality, they can feel like money is the root of all problems and money is just disgusting and it's led by money hungry people and we need to diminish money. And I have felt all of those ways at different stages of my own journey as well. But we are in a society that does have currency and we've always had different types of currency, whether it was through the barter system or through gold, silver, et cetera. And now this we're actually shifting again from a cash-based society now to a more electronic-based society, and that's continuing to evolve potentially with Bitcoin, et cetera. But the conversation of money regardless is potent because it carries energy and it allows us to live the lives that we want to live, whether we eat the organic food or not. So I want to have a conversation with someone who truly has given her career to this topic of money. I know so many people are talking about this right now, but Emma Mumford really stood out to me because she is someone who has had such an intense relationship with money from being a banker, literally working at the bank, to later becoming the coupon queen and having an entire platform teaching people how to coupon to now having a more spiritual approach to money. And I really loved her different experiences with money because I think sometimes we're like looking at money just from this really spiritual lens and we don't really see there are some rules to money. There is some weight to it that we do need to look over. It's not just this like number that we decide I'm going to manifest a million dollars tomorrow and it shows up at our door. Like there are such things as investments and things that we need to know about our finances, which can't be overlooked, but also it's so much more than that. And there is an energetics to money as well. So I felt like Emma just had such a great balance of different experiences from helping other people with their money to helping people save their money to now helping people step into more abundance, but really grounding it back down to where it really comes from and what that really means. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with her all about money mindset versus manifestation. And it's not that it has to be one or the other, but that I feel like there's sort of these two schools to thought that are now coming together, that it doesn't have to just be this complete disregard to money and just seeing it as something you put on your vision board and it shows up at your door tomorrow, but also it's not just this very heavy technical thing that only certain people who know the languaging of it can have. There is this fine balance between the two. And the more we get spiritual people educated about money, the more we're going to have a more just world that people are spending their money on things that matter. You know, money and dharma is a really important topic that I talk about in my book, Discover Your Dharma, that we can't be living our soul's purposes if we don't find a way to monetize it unless you are getting your income from another job or another person. But most of us, we are working for ourselves. We have bills to pay, rent, et cetera. So if we are doing something that is not in alignment with our gifts for our income, chances are we're not going to have enough time and energy to do the things that it is that we really do want to do. So I know for myself, I felt that threshold of, you know, I really want to write, but I'm spending my days, you know, working on this clothing line business that I could feel was no longer in relation with my dharma. So I knew I had to eventually take that leap into moving into writing and finding a way to create money out of my writing so I could put my full-time focus into it and become a better writer and be able to go into it more in depth that is really required to be at something in a professional level that you can't really do as much when you are 
working another job for money. So I think that it is really important that if we are wanting to live our dharmas as our full-time careers, businesses, et cetera, that we need to have these conversations around money. Otherwise, it's just going to forever remain a hobby. And again, not all dharmas need to become your job or career, but I know a lot of listeners do have that desire for the thing that they're spending their day doing, something that does fulfill them, that does feel in alignment with their soul's purpose. And truthfully, your dharma is going to require all of you. It's going to require you to focus and study and be dedicated and up-level. And unless you can find a way to focus on that without needing to make money off of it, you're going to have to figure out some sort of way to have an energy exchange. And we talk more in this episode about how energy exchanges are actually very important for people to not only take your time seriously, but for them to have results. So I'm super excited to share this episode with you. And first, I'd love to tell you about my new book, Discover Your Dharma. If you are listening to this podcast, you are someone that knows you were born on this planet for a reason, that you have gifts that you are meant to share, and that your curiosities are guiding you towards your dharma, your soul's purpose. So what if you had a book that was a guide that showed you step-by-step how to unpeel these layers, these conditioning, these limiting beliefs that may be holding you back? how to have courage to finally take action on your dharma and frameworks including a process for you to actually decide what it is that you should focus your energy on right now well this doesn't have to be some far off fantasy because i've written this book for you boo and it is called discover your dharma it is out now woo woo so excited i literally wrote this book for me where i was in my life when i was in this point where I wasn't sure if I really had a purpose or not. I wasn't sure if it was some like fairy tale. They tell you as a kid, like follow your dreams and you get older. They're like, oh no, that was like Santa. You weren't actually supposed to do that. And how to actually make a living doing it, especially if you're someone who's multi-passionate, you don't know what it is to focus on. So I bust through so many different obstacles that I've overcome from confusion, from not knowing where to start, from feeling like you're not good enough, smart enough, etc., and how to move through them in a way that really gets to the bottom of these fears and allows you to see that your obstacles were your soul's curriculum to help you embody your dharma. So every single person I know that has read this book, whether they are living their dharma already or not, has walked away with a deeper sense of what their dharma is. And I'm so excited to see the effects it has in your life. So I've created epic bonuses for you to go alongside this book. I have my Discover Your Dharma meditation practice, my dharma tapping practice, which is EFT, and my dharma embodiment practice, where you'll actually be dancing your dharma with me. And I also have a virtual book launch happening on February 4th where I'll be answering your questions on Dharma live. And if you're listening to this after February 4th, you will get that replay. So to get all of those bonuses, head over to imsaharrose.com slash Dharma. That link is in the show notes. You'll be able to order the book, submit your receipt and get those bonuses in your email right away. Again, that is imsaharrose.com slash Dharma. That link is in the show notes. And I'm so excited to share this book with you. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Emma Mumford to the Highest Self Podcast. Welcome, Emma, to the Highest Self Podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much, Sahara, for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. I'm so excited because we're going to talk about some of my favorite subjects. Two earth signs get together. We want to talk money. (laughs) Yes. So the first question I'd love to ask you is what makes you your highest self? I love this question. I love it. And even when you said it just before we start recording this, I was like, oh, that's such a good question. I think what makes me my highest self is, I guess, learning more about myself each year. I think, you know, when I first came onto this spiritual path, I was like, right, how do you become in alignment? How do you become your highest self? And it was almost like this challenge to be like, right, how do I like heal this trauma? How do I let go of all of my past and become this higher self? And what I've realized along that journey is that it all unfolds exactly how it's meant to. And that healing is not linear. That's the biggest lesson I've learned. (laughs) Um, And that 
what makes me my highest self is being my authentic self and learning who I am as a person and what, you know, who my true essence is. And, you know, I found that through healing so much along my own journey, especially this year as well. Um, and each year I always say like, I meet a new version of myself, which I'm sure you can agree with yourself, Sahara. I'm sure anybody listening can agree with. So I think for me, what makes me my higher self is my experiences my healing, my learning, and knowing myself deeply as well. Mm, I love that. I have this journal that I keep every day. And every day I'm like, it's like one of the prompts. It's what do I love about myself? I'm like that I grow. Like we just grow. That's all we're here to do. We're just here to grow. And it's so simple, but it's also going to keep life interesting. Because it would be so boring if you had everything figured out all at once. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. So no, I I love that. Definitely. Yay. So I want to talk about all things, abundance, money, manifestation. And what's super interesting about your story when I was reading it in your book, Positively Wealthy is like, I feel like this money abundance manifestation stuff is super trendy right now. I see a lot of people like any world, they're going into this topic, but this is really your background. Like you are the coupon queen, literally, even your email is still coupon queen. So can you share with us a little bit about your backstory about just you and money and this love story you guys have had? course and you know I definitely did not think it was a love story to start off with but I think the universe liked to surprise me there and was like babes money is your thing so when I was um, in my kind of young adulthood 18-ish so like nine years ago now I think I always had I would say a reasonably good relationship with money it was money was never really an issue for me growing up or kind of as I found my own money going into adulthood But when I was 20, I started working in a bank and I completely just fell into this job randomly. It was just offered to me and I was like, why not? Let's do this. This seems like a really professional and muggle job to have. Let's do this. And, you know, my parents were like so proud of me. And it was weird because I'd worked in Starbucks. I'd worked in a phone shop. I'd done these really fun jobs that I really loved. But working in the bank was the first job that um, my family and everyone around me was like, we're really proud of you. You've, You've made it in life. You're a banker we love this I hated it though I very like quickly learned how much I hated working in the bank money has always fascinated me I've understood it and it makes the world go round or so we thought so for me you know definitely working in the bank was really eye-opening for me one because it was very target driven so for my previous masculine self I was living my best life but also as well I realized like how money can have a really negative impact on people so when I was sat in the bank and my manager was like you need to offer this 80 year old a loan or you need to like have these targets of loans mortgages credit cards and I was like whoa, these people don't need them. Like, I'm not going to force something on someone they don't need. So I think I learned very quickly. And even, you know, I always remember this one woman who came into my office and she was just bawling her eyes out. And she was like, I need you to give me money. Like, I can't feed the kids. My husband's left me. Like, I'm up to my eyeballs in debt. And to just look at that screen and literally to have to tell this woman that I literally couldn't give her anything, like broke my heart. And I think that was when I realized that this was not the job for me. And I actually got depression from the personal relationship I was in. So the romantic relationship I was in, I took on his £7,000 worth of debt because I was the banker. I was like, right, let's sort this out. Let's clear this good interest rates. And then as soon as I took that on, our relationship broke down. He never paid a single penny of that. So I was 20, depressed, left the job at the bank because I couldn't go to work anymore because I was so anxious and just, I hated it. And then I was, you know, with seven grand's debt to my name all by the age of 20. So for me, I'd gone from feeling like financially independent and financially successful and having this career to then being depressed, like what on earth, how did I get here? And then, you know, having a relationship breakdown and also having to clear debt, which wasn't even my fault. It was from his past. And I just took it on to help him because I loved him. And, you know, here I was having to clear that as well. So what then spurred me on to be coupon queen was I had to clear this debt. And I was like, right, take action. How can I turn this into a positive? And um, I was watching TLC one day and good old extreme couponing came on the show. And I was like, wow, if these people are saving like all this money and, you know, getting out of debt, like, I should be able to do this. And here in the UK, couponing was very much not spoken about. There was a couple of people at the time back in 2012 when I started this who were doing it, but it was not spoken about. And I thought, right, 
if the Americans can do it, I can do it. So I started like researching and finding all these coupons and started up a little Facebook page after much pestering from my friends because they were like, come on, Emma, you could help loads of people with this. And the Facebook page just took off massively. Within six months, the press were involved and they were nicknaming me the coupon queen. I was presenting on This Morning, which is a, a daytime TV show here in the UK. I'm giving money saving and couponing tips. And again, like I didn't have a qualification for this. This was experience. This was integrating that banking history mixed with couponing and money saving with a little bit of mindset, definitely. And it felt so much more rewarding to help people get out of debt and help families who were struggling rather than putting them in debt at the bank. So I definitely feel like, you know, Dharma wise that I was definitely living a truer Dharma in my couponing business because I was actually doing good and helping people. So I sold my business back in 2018. I ran it for six amazing years. I loved it. And I will always be coupon queen at heart. I love a good bargain. I love a discount. Um, It will stay with me forever. But I knew the company had outgrown me. It needed a team of people. And I think in my heart, I'd had my spiritual awakening by then. And I knew that I wanted to help people in a slightly different way. So for me, I would have said I put my money crown away for good uh, when I became Spiritual Queen. And then at Spiritual Queen, my first book's launch, The Psychic We Hired for Entertainment, was just saying, you know, your next book's going to be about money, Emma, don't you? And I was like, no, it is not. Like, I am not Coupon Queen anymore. But here we are, Positively Wealthy's been out. And um, I wrote a book on money. But what I found was that although the focus was money to start off with, actually going along that Positively Wealthy journey myself I learned that wealth was so much more than money and what it meant to truly be positively wealthy and experience money in a whole new way. Mm, I love that so much. And it truly is like the obstacles that your soul needed to experience. And I'm sure so many people can relate to being at that rock bottom moment of relationship ending, in debt, losing your job, not knowing what to do and feeling like, how am I going to ever move past this? And it's so beautiful to see how if you didn't have that experience, which is probably the experience that you end up talking about the most, right? That people are like, how did you do this? And it's talking about that. The one thing that you probably didn't want anyone to know about you is really the thing that people want to keep knowing about you because it's what made you who you are. So it's just such a beautiful example of Dharma in action. Absolutely. And, you know, it wasn't great to admit and sit there. Yeah, you know, I took out a loan for the guy I loved at the time and I took on his £7,000 worth of debt because obviously now like if my when I have children if my daughter was ever to do that I'd be like no and obviously you know I was learning I was you know 19 20 at the time so I was learning these life lessons learning how money worked learning how love worked as well and absolutely you know we always have this joke that you know the men in my life shaped my life because obviously when I had my second breakup I actually got in a bit of debt with him as well I took, again didn't learn the lesson the first time he started up the spiritual business. He spurred me on to start the spiritual business. So really, you know, my biggest lessons in life, which has been money and love, have actually given me the biggest lessons in life. Mm, I love that so much. And yeah, I can definitely see in life, sometimes it's like your romantic relationships or the breadcrumbs that needed you to get to wherever it is that you were meant to go. So totally agree with you. So I want to talk about manifestation versus financial literacy. So I see a lot of people who speak about money manifestation. It's this idea that if I show the universe that I am worthy of abundance, then the universe will offer it back to me. Now, not all, but some presented in a way of surround yourself by super lavish things, buy the really nice jacket, spend extra on the super great boots because these things will make you feel more abundant. And then you'll end up magnetizing that abundance. And I can see that, but then there's the other side of, well, then how does debt exist? You know, if the matter was, if mm-hmm. I just keep buying things that make me feel really abundant, well, then I'm sure most of the people who are like shopping at all those department stores feel very abundant at the time, but their credit card reports wouldn't say so. So what's your perception of the balance between the two? Oh gosh. And I love that you've brought this up because there definitely is balance. And, you know, these law of attraction teachings, they're not wrong, but it, I guess it's how they're coming across and how people take that as well. Because, you know, from someone who has been in debt themselves, like you can't just switch that off. You can't just say, oh, today I'm going to be positive. And, you know, I know I should really pay my rent, but actually I'm going to go out and buy that designer handbag because that's going to show the universe I'm abundant. Well, 
this is all energy, guys. So really, if you go and buy that thing, which makes you lavish, are you going to feel good afterwards? When you get that item home, are you going to look at it and think, oh my gosh, I can't even pay my bills now? Or are you going to think, oh, I feel really good with that. That was a really great purchase that brings me joy. So one thing I always say, which is one of my top tips in the book, is mindful spending of this is all energy. So scrap what you think you know about that advice, because if it does not make you feel good, you will not attract anything. So I have had clients come to me who have spent little amounts or even eye-watering amounts and like, Emma, it's not working. What am I doing wrong? And I'm saying to them, okay, so when you go on that splurge, when you come home, how do you feel? And they're like, well, you know, it's great to have these things. But then when I look at my bank account on Monday, I'm crying a little bit inside. And I'm like, well, this is the thing. You need to be looking at your bank balance and feeling peace, feeling joy. Even if you're not where you want to be, you have to have acceptance and you also have to feel good here. And now for the law of attraction to work, as we know, you know, money is the same as anything else. However you manifest love or anything, you know, free coffees, free puppies, whatever, you know, it's all the same energy. So mindful spending is so, so good to use. And I always say start off with having awareness because this is what I did for ages. I avoided having awareness over my financial situation, which made my debt so much worse. So for me, I kept setting the intention when I found law of attraction to be debt free. But if you'd have asked me at the time, what debt-free was or how much I needed to be debt-free. I had no flipping clue because I was avoiding it. And I was just saying, I want to be debt-free universe. I want to be debt-free. And six months passed and every other manifestation was happening, but not being debt-free. So I sat down with myself and said, right, what am I avoiding? And what I was avoiding was looking at that figure, was going on the debt collector's website and facing it and looking at that figure. I was paying it off each month, obviously, with the direct debit, but I wasn't focusing on clearing that or having that clarity. So when I logged on and like faced it, I think it was about six and a half thousand pounds at that point. And I was like, right, okay, it's a little bit higher than what I thought it was, but now I have awareness. So from that point, I then said, right, universe, I want to manifest 6,500 pounds to clear this debt. In five days, I had a double manifestation where I got 11,000 pounds through my work, through a brand new opportunity I had no idea about. So I I'd manifested the 6,500 and then had a double manifestation because after that, when I had that awareness, I thought, right, once I clear the debt, I also want to manifest a bit of money um, and worked out, you know, how much I would need for like equipment and things to invest in my business to then take that to the next height. So as soon as I sat down and had that awareness and clarity over my debt and my financial situation, the universe delivered in five days in one hit because I was brave enough to say, right, here's my acceptance. Here's the figure I need. And also once that's cleared, this is what I would like to do to then progress my business and got clear on that as well by working out how much I need it. So clarity is the one is the first step awareness as well. So definitely if you do have any debt um, or even savings, you know, we as humans make things, you know, so much worse than they need to be sometimes, you know, we all have that where we're like, oh, I don't want to look at my bank account. Oh gosh. And we look at it and it's probably not as bad as what we think it is. So having, you know, clarity and awareness over your financial situation is so, so important for money mindset, for the banking side of things, for law of attraction and abundance side of things. So do definitely start off with that. And then in terms of mindful spending, I have this rule where you've got to hold it for three seconds or look at it for three seconds, whether it's a service or an item. And really tune into that and say, how does this make me feel? Does this bring me joy? Marie Conduit, does this spark joy? And really, you know, ask yourself, is this a hell yes or a hell no? If it feels like a hell yes to purchase it, absolutely do it. If you're not sure or you're not really getting an answer, wait. Can it wait till next payday? Or maybe it's a hell no. So, you know, this definitely works for online shopping as well. But when we really take the time to be really intentional with every single purchase, now, obviously this goes for luxury items, any bills, anything like that, you must pay, please pay your bills. Don't do this because I don't want people saying to me, the phone providers called up and they said, Emma Emma said, don't pay my bill because it didn't feel good. You have to pay your bills, guys. This is purely for luxury items. So anything that's a luxury, which comes into that kind of uh, money that you've got to spend each month on luxuries, this is what that's for. So hold that item, look at that service or item. How does it make you feel? Is it going to bring you joy? Are you going to wear it a lot? 
are you going to really enjoy eating that item? Whatever it is, are you going to enjoy that day out? Whatever it is, really sit with it. Because when we're really intentional and we're mindful with our, our spending, we're bringing that positive, abundant energy into every single transaction. So even if your money is going down, then when you log into your online banking, you're not going to sit there and fear and you're not going to sit there regretting everything. Everything around you and every purchase on that on your online banking, for example, is going to feel good. So you're going to feel good when you're looking at that bank balance, which is what magnetizes new money to you, not out of fear when you're just being told if you spend that money, it's going to magically come back to you. You have to believe it too. So mindful spending is one thing which I'm like, do it guys, because it will change your life and change how you interact with money as well. Mm, I love that so much. So a lot of people talk about debt and there's many different opinions on it. Some say it's good to get debt if you're investing in yourself, you're investing in your education, it's worth it. Debt is not so much of a bad thing as long as you'll be able to pay it off sometime in your life. And some people say absolutely avoid debt at all costs. What is your take on good versus bad debt? Mm. And I think, again, it is such a personal relationship with it. You know, going to university, for example, may be a really good debt because in the long run, that's going to allow you to do the career that you want to do, get the knowledge and education that you need to be where you want to be in life. So debt like that, and even like a mortgage, for example, you know, again, it's going to allow you to get on the property ladder. It's going to help you to invest. It's going to help you to, you know, create your financial portfolio in life. So those I would say, you know, are always, I would, I mean, I don't have a good debt is the word, but I definitely think, you know, it helps you to move forwards in your life and achieve the things that you want to achieve. I always say, you know, in terms of investing in yourself, it has to feel good. Is it a hell yes or a hell no? So what could be a hell yes for me in Sahara may not be a hell yes for you at home. So using your intuition and you and trusting yourself with every transaction is so important. That's why mindful spending is such a personal technique because we're all different. We all have different love languages of money, for example. What feels good to us may not feel good to another person. So honoring yourself and listening to your yourself and saying, you know, if it's a hell yes, do it. Because when you're doing that course, when you're doing whatever it is, it's going to feel good to you and you're going to enjoy it because you know that you, it was a hell yes and you're invested in it even energetically and it feels good. But if you think, do you know what? Maybe I should wait until next time. Maybe I should wait a couple of months. That's feedback too. So honor yourself there because it's not saying that you're not investing in yourself or whatever. Sometimes that is investing in yourself by loving yourself enough to say, actually, this doesn't feel quite good this time. But if I still want to do it in six months time, yeah, that's going to be a hell yes then. So again, listen to that feedback because you know, we all have different paths, we all have different journeys, but that feedback is our own soul calling. And again, when you're honoring yourself, when you're honoring how you feel energetically, you're going to be a money magnet. Mm, I love that so much. So you spoke about how you double manifested. When you say that, are you actually doing any rituals, practices, vision board, any of that stuff? Or do you just see it as a natural response to you making a confident decision? course, a good question. And of course, we still need to use the law of attraction, guys, um, because that's how attracting works. So, you know, with that example of the double manifestation, I put the intention out there. So the first step of law of attraction, asking. So I put the intention out there of being debt-free, but did I have clarity? No. So the universe wasn't moving past step one with that manifestation because I had no clue. I was not clear at all. So once I had that clarity of, you know, £6,500 and also having some money as a, a next manifestation to invest in the business, that was the clarity. So there was my step one, asking. So we can take that off. So absolutely, you do need to ask. So you could do that through verbal, you know, saying it like I did. Yeah. And writing it down, would you say that's the best way? There is no best way to manifest. Again, it is so unique to you. I always say, you know, we can do all the vision boards, we can do all the visualization, but if it's not your manifesting language and it doesn't feel good to you, then you're not going to connect to that. So try it all and see what works for you. So yeah, absolutely writing it down. Um, in the book, I have little positively wealthy checks, which are like checks you get from your bank. So you can write on there and write a little check to the universe. And that's a great little visual to do on a new moon ritual, for example. So the new moon is great for manifesting. So I always write my little positively wealthy check and some goals down each month. So I always say like set a monthly goal of money manifestation because if you want to manifest money regularly, you have to set the intention regularly. So ask, 
get clear. So for example, if you wanted to manifest a holiday, how much is that holiday going to cost you from door to door, not just, you know, airplane tickets and hotel, you know, expenditure, what you're going to spend on that holiday, how are you going to get there? Work it all out because the more specific you can be and say, right, I need £6,000, for example, for that holiday. Again, you've got the clarity. So set the goals regularly, ask, that can be verbally, you can write it down, like I said, Try all these different ways because, again, you'll find what works for you and what feels good. We'll take a quick break so I can share with you this special offer. Are you that person that all your friends and family members come to when they need wellness advice? Are you constantly looking up new ways to heal and balance your mind, body, and spirit, including listening to this podcast? Well, have you ever considered having a career becoming a holistic health coach where you get to decide your own hours, work with people, tackling the subjects that you are the most passionate about, and having financial freedom along the way? Well, I am so excited to be teaming up with my very own Alma Mater Institute for Integrative Nutrition to offer their biggest discount yet. You'll receive $2,200. off tuition, an extra bonus that they're offering just with my highest self podcast listeners on how to launch your dream book. This course is going to get you super clear on what your book is about and how to bring it out into the world. I've created a webinar for you on how to have a thriving business as a health coach. So using social media, creating passive income, how to have a wait list of clients and become the best known coach in your niche with raving testimonials. Tickets to a live upcoming IIN conference where I will be meeting you over there. Super excited to connect and a bundle of all digital wellness guides like Ayurveda, self-love, whole food eating, etc. So all you have to do is head over to my show notes. You'll see the link over there. It's a little bit link. It'll take you right there. You'll be able to receive a sample class, check out the curriculum, get all your questions answered. And I'm so excited to have you on this mission, raising the vibration of the planet together as a health coach. Again, head over to my show notes. You'll see the link right there and I'll see you inside. Are you ready to make this the gear you step into your Dharma and embody your fullest expression? Are you calling in a reclamation of your energy and sovereignty so you can stop being distracted by the noise around you and make a true difference in the world? Do you know deep down inside that your highest form of joy is also your highest form of service but needs support on where to start? Well, then you will love my green Taurus circle, which is this month's goddess in rose gold goddesses, my sacred sisterhood collective, all about embodying the goddess within. Green Tara is the goddess of compassion in action. She is all about aligning with your sacred doing. We know what this year feels like, not being able to truly take action towards what matters to us, for feeling overwhelmed by what's happening in the world and really disconnected from our divine feminine essence. So this year is all about reclaiming that energy so you can live a life that is true to your soul. So you can look back on this year and see that not only was it your most joyful, but you were actually able to help the most people in the way that only you can. So if you are calling in more compassionate action, more sisterly support, more divine feminine knowing, then come join us in this green Tara circle. You can find all the information on rosegoldgoddesses.com slash green Tara. The link is in the show notes and it's also included in your membership of Rose Gold Goddesses, which you can also find at rosegoldgoddesses.com. So when you're asking, can I just go for $10 million like right away or should it be like increments of like what, I'm just like 10 mil please. (laughs) Or should it be increments of like what feels like the next, maybe a little bit expansive, but also reachable step? Definitely. And hell yes, that's cool. That in Sahara for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Just going straight for it. (laughs) Claim it. Yes. And again, it all depends on the person. If 10 million pounds or dollars felt good to you, why not? Like a lot of people put these big goals on their vision boards, which is great. And vision boards are more designed for long-term. They're not really designed for like the next month or six months. It's more like the overall picture. So for instance, when you know I had a client very recently who wanted to manifest 10,000 pounds for their home renovations, I mean, they had it on their vision boards and they were like, it's just not coming to me. So I'm like, okay, what actions are you taking each month to manifest that money? And when do you need that money by? So for her, I said, how does 10,000 pounds feel to you? And she was like, well, it's big. It's 
it's, it's, you know, a big amount of money. Like, I don't know how that's going to come to me. So I said, okay, when do you need that money by? And it was 10 months. So I said, right. So if we broke that goal down to 1000 pounds each month that you need to manifest to reach your 10,000 pound goal in 10 months, how does that feel? And she was like, super easy. And I was like, see, we've not done anything magical there. All we've done is broken it down to something that feels achievable to you, but is exactly the same amount. So it's all about how our minds process that. So if you're seeing that big figure as scary or like, whoa, how's that going to come to me? Break it down. How much do you need and when do you need it by? Break it down into a monthly manageable figure that feels good. And for someone who's like, I actually don't know how much money I want to manifest, you know, pick the first figure that comes to your head when you're writing your monthly little check or whatever, your monthly goal, pick a number. What number feels good? how does it feel to you? If it feels good, write it down and trust that. So use your intuition, but also break it down if it feels too big or like, whoa, that's a big amount, you know, break it down. That's all that needs to be done. Totally. I love that so much. And I think that oftentimes, yeah, number feels so big for us that we have this like, but it's never going to happen energy with it. So then you're not really like actively going for it. Whereas if you feel like it's attainable. Now my question, and I know a lot of people who have you know, jobs, like corporate jobs, they're like, well, how am I going to make an extra thousand dollars a month? I have a salary. What do you suggest for that? Broaden your horizons, babes. That's what my suggestions are. So money can come to us in so many ways. But again, you know, a lot of people are like, must come from income, refunds, inheritance, gifts, you know, we know the kind of obvious money manifestations there. So again, if you are in a salary job, think outside the box. You might get a bonus, you might get a refund, you might have inheritance or, you know, someone might gift you that money. But also as coupon queen, I'm going to broaden everyone's horizons even further. Yes, it's about new money that can come to you, but also money staying in your bank account. So coupons, discounts, freebies, I'm calling it all. These are all money manifestations as well. So say for instance, you know, we just had Black Friday, for example. So you saved like 40% on the Christmas present that you were going to buy for your parent or whatever. That's 40% of your money that is staying in your bank account. So you probably would have bought that full price anyway, but that's 40% that is staying in your bank. So yes, manifesting new money, but also money that is staying in your bank account as well. Get thrifty. I'm all about incorporating the spiritual practical and cognitive side of money. So again, budgeting is a great way to to learn that money stays with us as well. And that's a money manifestation in itself. So one of my favorite little tasks to set people is an abundance log. And you can use this for all manifestations, but I personally love to set it for money. And there's not one person who has, has come back to me who hasn't been like, whoa, this has broadened my horizons and I am hitting those money goals. So I think a lot of the time, People can say, right, I want to manifest $1,000 this month. And then they expect $1,000 to enter into their bank account when actually it can come to us in small amounts or in the whole whack. You know, there is no set rule. It's how we interact and our, our vibration with money as well. So if you want it to be very specific, obviously set that goal. But a lot of the time we're like, yeah, I just want to manifest $1,000 extra. So, you know, if you kept an abundance log and all that is, is over four weeks each week, just breaking down what new money is coming to you, any money that's staying, like I said, through coupons, freebies and discounts as well. And totally totaling up. So totaling up weekly and then obviously at the end of the month. So although you may not have seen $1,000 go into your bank account, when you do your abundance log, you'll probably find that you manifested $1,000 over that month period through those smaller increments. So this is why an abundance log is amazing because you can see how abundant you truly are because we all have it where we're like, oh, that came through, all that came through, but then we get distracted with life, we're busy people. So we forget these things. So unless it's a big wow amount, then, you know, we kind of overlook it. So this is allowing you to be grateful, which is a key component in the law of attraction, but also bringing awareness to actually how much money comes to you day in, day out without even having to try that hard. Mm, I love that so much because we totally do focus on the acquiration of new money rather than the saving. And, you know, I think where a lot of us, you know, we get stuck in two ways. One, every single day going into your bank account and writing how much money you spent, how much money you gained can feel really overwhelming. I know for me, I had a very Vata relationship with money of like, I did not want to look at my bank account. Like the only time I would look at it was because I got an email that I was in overdraft and I was like, oh shit, (laughs) like that was my (laughs) reminder to go look at my bank account. And I hated being in there because I would just see like, great, I have $200, like shit, I don't want to be in here. So I'm sure a lot, and I've definitely changed that since then. But it has taken me 
paying attention to my money and really noticing it. And so for people listening who it feels super like heavy, overwhelming, stressful for them to even be in their bank account, what do you suggest? Mm. And it's so, so common, this more than you think. And, you know, it definitely comes down to mindset. And, um, you know, there's there's two ways to look at it. So one of my friends, when she was going through a tough patch in her life, you know, I would say, well, let's go out and let's do this. And, you know, I was saying to her, look at your money language. So normally she would say to me, oh, but Emma, I'm skin. Oh, I can't afford to do this. So I was like, no, 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 let's change that. So she actually came to me one day and said, it doesn't feel good for me to do this. I'm choosing not to spend that money today. And I was like, wow, what an amazing way to flip that. So if anybody is struggling, you know, with pressures of people being, let's do this, let's do that. And it's not feeling good to you in that mindful spending. It's a great phrase to use of, I'm choosing not to spend my money on that today, because that's empowering as well. If you look at it, it's a very empowering statement. So I loved that when my friend came to me and, and, you know, said that. And another one of my clients actually, funnily enough, came to me and said, Emma, Money is like, you know, you, you have to build a relationship with money. And I was like, mm, yes, 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 you do. And she was like, so I'm writing a love letter to money. I'm flirting with money. I'm going steady with money and I'm trying to get to know money. But and I loved this perspective because I was like, I've never heard someone say it so perfectly before because money, you know, our relationship with money is a relationship, just like our friendships, just like our intimate relationships. You know, we have to get to know money, get to know our finances and our relationships with money. And just like any relationship, it needs to be nurtured. So look at your language with money. How are you interacting with money? Are you flirting with money? Are you dating money? Are you serious with money? What is your energy to money as well? Get to know money and obviously work on that mindset as well. Positive affirmations are, you know, work amazingly and help you to shift so quickly, like I said, with that example. So look at what you're saying with money and then think, okay, witness what your current money language is and how would you like your money language to be? Maybe write them down, write down all those statements of what you say or how you would describe money and then flip it. So turn them into positives and then burn that old money language, set it free and intend, you know, I'm letting this go now. This is my old money language. And then embody that new money language where you flirt with money, you give love to money and you're speaking positively about money as well. Mm, I love that so much. And absolutely. I, I think so many of us, I know my dialogue was, well, I'm not a money person. You know, I don't, I don't like money or I'm on the spiritual journey, so I don't care about money, <laughs> you know, things like that. And really it was just my own intimidation of it and my own feeling overwhelmed by it and feeling like it's like so masculine. So I didn't want to do it. But then all of my stresses came from the fact that I didn't have enough of it. Oh, I want to go to this yoga class. I want to do this. Oh, but it's the money. So it's like, I can't run away from this thing anymore. I need to make friends with it. So I want to talk about big versus small spending decisions. So I think a lot of times in like, you know, financial literacy books, they're like, okay, every single day, if you're buying a Starbucks coffee, that's $5 a day. So if you're buying it every day, it's like 30 times five, which is, I don't know, 180. I'm not even sure. Is that 180? I'm not the numbers person. It's like 180 or I something. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then that extra 180 per year is like, you know, X, you know, $2,000 or whatever. And that's $2,000 you would save if you just made your coffee at home. So, you know, you, we always hear things like this. We're like, okay, like don't go to the Starbucks, mm -hmm. don't go to this and that. Anyways, I think quarantine was a blessing because a lot of those things that we would go out and spend money on are gone. But I also see a lot of people super stress about the small numbers and like the, like the couponing, you know, for example, I'm sure in your experience, it's like, how much time are you spending stressing about that 50 cent savings or that $5 savings or even, or even a less than a hundred? It depends on kind of where you are at with your own money. But how could you have instead focused on something larger? You know, do you know Ramit Sethi? He wrote this book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And, you know, at first he was like super focused on these like little, little things that you can save every single day. And then he realized most people are not getting, you know, the best return on their savings account. You know, if you switch your savings account to a higher return savings account, or if you got into investments, these are thousands of dollars that you're passively making that aren't even taking your time, but we so focus on the small number. So because couponing was your space, I'd love to hear your own realizations of this transition. Of course. 
and you know all of them are so valid and such great points to make as well for sure because you know a lot of the time what I used to hear in my couponing days was well what's the point you know all this energy all this effort like why would you do this but at that time I needed to so you have to start with where you're at and that all comes as part of that acceptance and awareness as well so for me when I was working a part-time job when I was trying to look after my health I had to move back to my parents I obviously had the seven thousand pounds worth of debt you know the small stuff was very very important to me and at that time I needed to do it whereas you know now when I kind of started my spiritual business and you know sold my old couponing business I was in a very different financial space in my life so for me it was then looking at the bigger picture of okay how can I now save for a house how can I now get on the property ladder how can I now save in some ways of course but then not let that rule my life as such so I think it's definitely definitely a case of witnessing where you're at with it because for some people starting small is everything because just like with anything in life you know we can't just jump to the big thing or you know imagine it like a house like you have to lay the foundations of the house you have to start small you can't just start the roof so you know you have to start somewhere so you know building up with the small stuff builds that solid foundation so you can build the solid house where yes absolutely once that money is flowing once you're out of debt and you feel more stable and secure with money absolutely look at your returns look at your investments how are you investing that money is your £2.50 Starbucks every day the best way to invest your money? Or actually, does that feel good to you? Is that your mindful spending that feels good? And actually by focusing on, you know, like you say, savings account, et cetera, where you could get bigger returns would actually be a better, more easier way to get that return and manifesting. So it's going to be completely different for everybody because everybody's going to be in a different stage of their life, different financial position, of course. So it's not really like one piece of advice is going to fit all, definitely not. But I think start with what feels good. If couponing feels good to you, hell yes, go for it. If, you know, switching up your savings account, looking at ISAs, looking at locking that money away for a while because it's actually going to help get you a really good return for when you're ready to buy that house, absolutely do it. You know, trust that intuition, do that research and see what feels good to you. But always you've got to start somewhere. Mm, Yes, totally. Yeah. For myself as well, when I had, you know, $200 in my entire bank account, of course, every $20 is going to make a significant difference. And then as I, you know, was able to cultivate and save more money than that same energy of the, you know, and, and now I realized in myself too, that I can often go back into my very frugal ways. And like, for example, my husband, I think he, his North node is in Taurus. So he's just like, he lives lavishly and I am not, I am like the saver. So I will like be spending hours. Like, let's say we want to buy a bed. I'll go on every single website, every single bed. And he's like, you just spent like eight hours on this bed. Like, what did you save? Like $200? Was that worth your eight? hours. I'm just like, but I saved $200, you know? So it's like hard because when you train yourself to think a certain way, it's hard to get out of it. And I still do love my frugal ways, but it really does help you see the opportunity cost of how much time am I using to focus on this thing? And is it worth the amount of savings that I'm getting from it? Exactly. And how does it make you feel? You know, if you'd bought that bed full price, would your kind of inner self be like, why did you not look Sahara? Why did you not compare? And I know I would be exactly the same. Like I'm a stickler still for discounts because I'm like, well, you know, all these things that I'm going to buy, whether it's Christmas presents or whatever, you know, if I can save money on that, I can use that money to then put towards a deposit for my house I want to buy. I can use that for other things. So again, that is that practicality coming in for me, that Virgo Earth where I'm like, but look how else I could use that money. How Mm -hmm. amazing that I can make this money stretch further. Mm. And I think it really does come down to what feels good for you. Like if you're going to be regretting not doing the research, then that doesn't feel good for you. If you're going to be regretting, why did I spend so much time? then maybe you should just get it full price and move on. So it is, you know, it's fascinating when you see, when you meet different people and they have such different ways of interacting with your money. You're like, oh, wow, not everyone does things the way that I do. And you can learn from that person. And like, I definitely learned from my husband of he's just like, I'm going to buy all these things from Whole Foods, like literally doesn't second guess it. I'm like, 
in a way that's expansive for me because, you know, I'm, I'm someone who'll like be like, let me find it at this place for that thing and that place for that thing, et cetera. And in some ways, you know, I'm probably expansive for him in my, in my saving way. So it's beautiful to see. And I think in relationships too, we often attract people with like the opposite tendencies as us. So it's like hard. Like I know my mm-hmm. parents were like opposite in spendings. And I think it's just like an attraction, opposites attract thing. And I think it's beautiful because then, you know, kids can see the balance and then choose for themselves. I want Mm -hmm. to take this aspect of my mother's relationship with money, this aspect for my father or or whoever was your caretaker. Absolutely. And so true. I can definitely witness that with my parents and like my previous relationships I've been in. You know, like you say, it's that balance and those lessons as well of what they can teach us and what we can teach them as well. Mm, Love that so much. So I want to ask you, a lot of people listening to this podcast are healers. They have natural healing gifts, whether they're doing it professionally or not, but they're feeling guilty about charging. They feel like if I'm a healer, I should love what I do and I shouldn't charge for it. Or spiritual people shouldn't charge, or it's greedy for me to charge, or that's what other people will think of me. So what do you have to say to the healers out there who are experiencing these money blocks? Mm, And I hear it so, so, so often. And I've definitely had this internal conflict as well over the years of like, what do I charge? What's the right amount to charge? And honestly, my best answer is always listen to yourself. I have seen a whole spectrum of clients who have been told what to charge by someone, who have no idea what to charge, who have charged what Um, have charged too little, have charged too much. And they're coming to me and saying, well, what the heck do I do? What am I doing wrong? And I'm saying to them, where did that figure come from? Did that come from yourself? And the answer is most commonly no. They're either looking at what someone else is charging or they're being told what to charge by someone. And that doesn't help any of us. That just doesn't. Because again, you know, as Sahara would say, it's not your dharma if someone else is telling you what to do. And, you know, if Sahara was to say to me, right, Emma, I think you should charge this or I think you should do this. It may not be in alignment and vice versa. If I said to Sahara, she might be like, whoa, no, that doesn't feel good to me at all. So we have to listen to ourselves. And when it comes to pricing, like it's, you know, a lot of the time it can be worth looking at whether you feel worthy and deserving of money, how your relationship with money is, how you interact with money, all these things absolutely come into it for sure. So really like sit with yourself and rate it on a scale of one to 10. How worthy do you feel of receiving money? How worthy do you feel of receiving money for your talents, for your creativity, whatever it is you do, ask yourself that to start off with, because that could be a key place to start with this. But then also sit with yourself and say, do these figures feel in alignment to me? Is it a hell yes or is it a hell no? And when I get clients to sit with this and really tune into what they think they should be charging and what feels good to them, it's always the right answer. Because what they were doing before was not attracting clients, was not attracting people to work with them because they weren't in alignment with, you know, with that figure, with their work as such. Whereas when they become an energetic match to that figure and it's true and it, you know, it honors themselves and it's true to them and it feels good, guess what? They're a money magnet because they're feeling good. They instantly are like, this feels good to share. I want to promote this. I want to share this. So there can be a lot of outside noise with this for sure. And it's about bringing it back to yourself and saying, what feels good? Because if it feels too much to you, you're already repelling it because you're telling the universe, oh, so I really want to charge that. Is that a bit too much? Are people going to pay that? You're already repelling it. So when it feels in alignment with you, it feels true and it feels good. Guess what? You're going to attract it. And that's just basic energy work. That's just basic law of attraction there. So definitely honor yourself with that would be my best advice. Mm, I love that so much. And I think it really is two-sided, right? Like we, for some people, the lesson is you are worthy. And like, for example, I was helping my mom find her Dharma and she was like, you know, I think maybe I'll be a life coach, but I want to be a free life coach. I was like, well, no one's going to take what you say and actually apply it to your life. If you're just the free life coach, you're just going to be a friend that they maybe talk to for an hour and never come back. They're not going to value your time. They're not going to actually take those things into account. And for her, she was like, but people, need the money. I don't want to take money from people. And I'm like, well, then can you offer some sort of free content or something or have an exchange if maybe they bring you flowers? Like the monks in 
in Thailand, the sadhus in India, all of these different spiritual aesthetics who people are like, oh, well, they don't charge money. Well, first of all, they were supported by the village who offers them food, shelter, everything it is that they need. And also they tell people, if you don't have money, bring me flowers, bring me fruit, bring me some sort of offering. So there is an energetic exchange because they know that that person will take their advice so much more to heart if they're also giving something back. So it's that realizing mm-hmm. that your time, your all of the hours you've spent cultivating that healing technique, skills, listening to podcasts like this are all like together in that rate that you're charging. It's not just that hour of your time, but it's all of the education that you've done before that. And, you know, I can go on a tirade about that side, but the other side that I see is oftentimes in these money conversations, people are like, charge your worth, charge your worth. And then people are like, okay, I'm worth a thousand, 10,000. Like we're worthy of everything. We're humans. As a human, you are worthy of trillions of dollars. We can't even put a price on your worth. So what I see happen is people just say, oh, well, you know, these kind of coaches will tell them, well, if you're worthy, you'll charge this. If you think you're worthy, you'll charge that. So they begin charging more and more and more thinking it's a reflection of their worthiness. But pricing is also an economical decision. Like it is an exchange of currency. And is it the best economical decision for yourself and for that person, regardless of what you're... Let's say you're worth $10 trillion, but should an hour of your time cost $500 when you would actually be quite happy doing that exact same thing and it would still feel good for you for $100 and you would be able to help more people and not also put them in this maybe scarcity fear state of, oh my God, I just spent $500 on this hour. So I feel like with pricing too, it's so much more than just like, I feel like I'm worth this, so I'm going to charge that. Mm -hmm. But it's also, what are you giving and who do you want to impact? Like I'm someone who my courses, everything I do are always on the lowest, lowest, lowest end of the spectrum. I feel good doing that because I would rather serve more people. Does that make me less worthy? No. So yeah, any tidbits you have on pricing? Absolutely. And I love everything you said there because it's so true. And I definitely resonate with that myself of, you know, when it, worth is thrown around in the industry, it's like, well, we like you say, we're worthy of everything in this universe. You can't put a price on worthiness. But I always say, and the one key question I say is, would you pay your own prices? And this gets people, because if you wouldn't pay your own prices, there's the issue. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you need to feel in alignment with it. So ask yourself, would you pay your own prices for your experience? experience, your knowledge and everything you're doing and start off with that. And then again, check in, does that figure feel in alignment? But again, it's such a personal journey. And I think, you know, it's something all entrepreneurs and everybody who's in business sits with. How much should I charge for my products? How much should I charge for my coaching? How much should I charge for this? And really there is no right or wrong decision. Of course, the entrepreneur in us wants to, you know, like me and Sahara, be accessible to help people. You know, that's what we're here to do, to help people. So why would we not want to help people and to, you know, help people in numbers as well? of course. But again, there will be some people who want to pull back a bit and actually work more in one-to-one settings. So actually putting a higher price point allows them to have that more intimate setting. So again, it's totally personal to the individual of your working style, what you want to do, what feels good to you, of course. But again, that I don't think there is a right or wrong answer here. It's what is best for you, because when you're in alignment with that figure, with that pricing, with whatever it is, you're going to attract everything that you know you know you're worthy of whether that's in hundreds of sales or 10 sales you're going to attract that because you truly truly embody it and know you're worth it as well Mm, love this so much so where can listeners read positively wealthy listen to your podcast and connect with you more course well I would love to have you guys come and join the conversation so please come and tell me all your positively wealthy stories as well I'd love to hear so you can find me on all social media platforms at I am Emma Mumford which is M-U-M-F-O-R-D same as Mumford and Sons and you can find me at my website emmamumford.co.uk and positively wealthy is out now worldwide you can get it from anywhere that sells books at Amazon Barnes and Noble etc so yeah in store online wherever sells books you can find it and also we've 
we've got a cute little journal as well now if you want to take. So Positively Wealthy focuses more on wealth of all kinds. So looking at manifestation and wealth in all areas of your life, whereas the journal is more money mindset focused. So if you want to improve your relationship with money and get good with money as well, then the journal is a great little nifty journal to have this Christmas. Mm, love that so much. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. I loved it. I'm sure listeners got so many good, you know, practical tips they can put into their life. And we're so grateful for you. Oh, thank you, Zahara. It's been so much fun. And thank you everyone for listening as well. Yay. Thank you. Mm, mm, mm. How good was that conversation with Emma? I love practical yet spiritual tips, just grounding down that earth with that cosmos. It is so important to have one foot in the 3D, another in the 5D. And I can keep making analogies about this forever. So be sure to check her out at Emma Mumford. And if you are looking for that thing to help you to get further in alignment with your truth, with your soul's mission on this planet, your Dharma, then check out my new book, Discover Your Dharma. You can head over to I am saharrose.com slash dharma to get the book right there. I got plenty of links and you can submit your receipt to receive my Discover Your Dharma meditation, embodiment practice, tapping, and so much more. You can also learn more about your dharma archetype with my free quiz at dharmaarchetypequiz.com. All of those links are in the show notes. I hope you have a beautiful day living your dharma. And if you loved this episode, I would love to send you a free gift, which is the first half of my un released book, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type. This is a different book than Eat Feel Fresh, my first book ever, which is not released anywhere. And I am gifting it exclusively to those who leave a review of my podcast in the iTunes store. So all you got to do is head over to iTunes where you may be listening to this podcast and leave a review. Take a screenshot that you've left it and email it over to me at sahara at eatfeelfresh.com. Again, that's sahara, S-A-H-A-R-A at eat feelfresh.com. And I will send you back the first half of my unreleased book, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type, which goes all into Ayurveda, doshas, plant-based nutrition, body types, all of the things in a really fun and engaging way. So this is my gift to you for free for supporting the podcast. Every single review I personally read, it really helps the podcast be listened to by more people so we can raise the vibration of the planet together. And I am so grateful to have you on this journey. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Namaste. Namaste.